is going on everybody welcome into a special edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous friday july 21st 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner joined by Stuart turley bringing us the weekly recap it was a great week a lot of solo shows this week oh we both were on assignment everywhere man i do appreciate you it was a great week Great week. A lot of shows. Do you have a favorite segment? What was my favorite one was was talking about the IEA coming out with their oil demand concepts. I Anything that allows me to poke fun at the IEA, I'm all for. Well, Michael, with this, you and I have always had over the last three years of our podcasting, IR guy of the week, investor yep. relations guy, creating things to make himself look better. 500 so pristine drilling locations. I yes, I think we need to give a new award instead of IR guy of the week. Let's have most stupidity of reporting. I don't know. Let's ask our listeners, bring up a great award for stupidity. Yeah, let's rename IR guy of the week. Hit the description below. You'll see a way to get in contact with us. Drop what you think it should be. Um, but I'm going to leave it up to the weekly recap, guys. We will see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Enjoy. Let's stop at Texas first. Coming around the corner, uh, I'm sitting here in Dallas and I've been in West Texas for the last four months. But uh, as we take a look at Texas must upgrade its energy grid to accommodate the new renewable power. Some interesting stats on this. We know that ERCOT is the grid manager for Texas. Texas is the number one in uh, wind energy and second in solar. Wind energy alone produces 21% of all electricity in the state, according to the uh, American Clean Power Association. This is pretty darn good. Here's where we're still under threats in Texas for the potential of rolling blackout. Rolling blackouts are because the amount of stress that renewables put on the grid. Just a few months ago, or I believe it was two months ago, uh, the Texas legislator, they have approved for more natural gas plants. That seems to me a very good standby power. However, they're also looking at adding in a bunch of storage. Adding in storage brings up a couple hot points on me. So without expanding ERCOT's electrical transmission network and storage capacity, congestion and curtailments will rise, said the IEA. The strong projected growth in renewable energy in ERCOT over the next decade could be constrained by transmission capacity. I believe it was around 3 billion, 3.5 billion is what it took to get the transmission lines from uh, West Texas where all the wind farms uh, are coming across. That was just for cost to get into the transmission lines to the Dallas area as well. So let's take a look at my expectations. One of my biggest hot buttons for storage. How much does it cost? But the single most important thing to me is renewable batteries. Not many of them out there have been able to answer that. In fact, I've only found one battery company, one uh, storage battery company that has been able to answer that. And that's Fry Battery out of Norway. Fry Battery is awarded a 100 million EU innovative fund grant. 
I get to have a interview. I interview uh, Jeremy on a Friday and I've interviewed Tom before their uh, CEO. And now I'm interviewing the president. They are producing a lot of new jobs and new things in in uh, the United States. So Fry Battery has their uh, batteries are renewable or recyclable. So if you have big batteries and they're not recyclable, it's not really eco-friendly, is it? So as the Tom Jensen, who I interviewed, he says, we are delighted from the with the news that we have received from the EU's Innovation Fund to support Friars Giga Arctic project. This grant is a recognition that batteries represent the key catalyst to the energy transition, supporting regional energy security through faster deployment of renewable energy. Moreover, the significant financial commitment provides timely support to development of the Giga Arctic. It was uh, been under development since June of 2020, and it is going to be 100% powered by 100% hydroelectricity. This, to me, is a phenomenal project. And when you sit back and take a look, recyclable batteries... They've got new technology coming around in the battery storage. They are really looking at renewables in the hydro. I'm all in with Fry Battery. So well done. Cyber risk in the big picture. Brian Tepper from Hawaii's Electric uh, Cisco and Information Assurance Manager in 2018 pointed out to them in an interview, more advanced the system, the larger attack service becomes. Surface, excuse me. Our grid's attack surface area has been steadily getting bigger over the last two decades. Not only is this going to, as he's pointed out back then, it's even extending out to anything that you have, kind of like your stove, electric stoves. <laughs> and, you know, that's why you want to keep your gas one. And this one's kind of interesting. Electric cars have been more potential to transform for the world for the better. I might agree with that. They provide environmental advantages. It depends. Jury is still out. But when you're talking about they found everything from the possibility of hackers being able to track users with vulnerabilities that may expense Expose home and corporate Wi-Fi networks to a breach. Pull your car into your garage and it may be snooping around your house for your access point and uh, your phone. Elon just uh, tweeted yesterday, phones are not secure. Let me see. Anything that Elon puts out and is that specific worry. So. Anyway, and there was an article that just came out in conjunction that was actually a little ahead of this one from TechCrunch. Taking a look, hackers could remotely turn off lights, honk, mess with Tesla's uh, infotainment center. Almost sounds like me when I was in college. So when you take a look at how the hackers can now get in with just a Bluetooth, which is what they used to call a PAN, personal area network a billion years ago, those they could walk up to the car when you're in range of Bluetooth. Here's where it gets a little uh, 
into this now is that once they get in via Bluetooth, they can hop over into the underlying core of the software. Once you get into the core, it your all bets are off on what you can do. So I'm not sure that I want that much control allowed to a car. So with that, can't wait till I can get a Tesla as my second car. Not ready to have one as a primary yet. When global oil demand to reach record high in 2023, this is you know out of the IEA. You know, I'm, I'm going to read a lot here from the article because what this is, is their, what they call, as I mentioned, their latest oil market report uh, out of our favorite energy analysts over at the IEA. Um, 100% credible. We, we, we subscribe to every word they do. Um, top line numbers, global oil demand will increase by 2.2 million barrels per day to reach a record high of 102. 0.1 million barrels per day in 2023, courtesy of our favorite data analyst. Um, to dive into those numbers a little bit, China's going to go ahead and account for about 70% of global gains, really off the back of their petrochemical use. The quote out of the IEA says, China's widely anticipated reopening has so far failed to extend beyond travel and services with economic recovery losing steam after a bounce back year. Yet, they're accounting for 70% of the global gains. So we love a little marketing twist there. IR guy of the week right there. Uh, they do actually project some growth to slow to 1.1 million barrels per day. Um, in 2024, the quotes there saying the world oil demand is coming under pressure from challenging economic environment, not the least because of a dramatic tightening of monetary policy in many advanced and developing countries over the past 12 months. Interesting. No mention of renewables. It's all in the global financial. Interesting. Interesting little pivot there. They forecast global oil production to rise by 1.6 million barrels to 101.5 million barrels per day as output from non-OPEC production. Nations is um, expected to increase by 1.9 million barrels per day. Um, they also see global oil supply rising to 102.8. So they think fairly in balance with about 700,000 barrels overbalanced. That's interesting because we're seeing prices rise right now. So that's what I find hilarious is that you know prices off the back of this rise when they show, whoa, maybe we're oversupplied now. You know, when we see um, oil supply, quote unquote, outstripping oil demand. Um, but again, I think a lot of what's going to is we're looking at that refined product. And I think some of the, the environment that we're seeing is the downstream capabilities. Observe global inventories rose by 19.4 uh, million barrels to its highest level since September 2021. World oil demand. I'm trying to just read down here. A forecast for global oil demand is China, blah, blah, blah. We also saw this. This is a separate IEA report. Fossil fuel investments are set to rise by more than 6% to around $950 billion for 2023 based on analysis from the announced spending of plant large and medium-sized oil, gas, and coal companies. So there, you know, again, I think you're going to, I think this is a, I didn't, this is not specifically for quarter four, as I mentioned in segment one, but I do think you're going to, you know, there is a sentiment of there was a lot of CapEx spent, maybe more than people expected on the back of what was higher oil prices, sort of the flushing out of that process. So all in all, the IEA seems to be sort of bullish, sort of not. I find it funny how they think we're oversupplied. Everybody thinks we're going to be undersupplied. So the IEA trying to come out and and hmm, I don't know, I think they're using the same crayon Stu uses. So we're going to have to check their math on this one. Uh, Carrie's trip to China yields no breakthrough on climate. Uh, let's have a moment of silence for his trip. Okay. Um, that moment of silence went way too long. Sorry about that. The United States and China failed to reach new climate agreements despite productive conversations. Special climate envoy John Kerry said Wednesday after a four-day visit to Beijing, an outcome that 
underscores the tension between the two world's biggest carbon polluters and economies. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you want me to say. We fly carry out there private. You know, we get his staff out there. You know, they're staying at, you know, probably the Ritz Carlton over there in Beijing, you know. Right. He, he quotes here, Michael, we had a very extensive set of frank conversations and realized it was going to take a little bit more Perfect. work to break the new ground, said Kerry. Perfect. So we've agreed Perfect. we're going to meet intensively. What a okay. When you sit back and take a look at Kerry, Kerry lied to the Congress the other day. He says, do you does your family own a I've never owned an airplane? Well, he's married to the Heinz folks. They've had jets. We know that. Yes. Uh, it's, uh, so I still remember watching him testify in Congress. My dad was being shot at in Vietnam and he was a draft dodger. So I'm not a Kerry fan. We'll just leave that one alone. Now, normal climate diplomacy. Really, do what? <laughs> just, just okay. Uh, climate diplomacy between the U.S. and China is back on track. Hogwash. I'm going to call bull hockey on this one. It's because Carrie went over there to do this. Miss producer, can you fly in this video? I'm going to show you in this next 32 second video. Sit back and take a look at this video. It is the Biden administration and and their funding of $14 million, I believe, of what John Kerry's office is all about. He's not even approved by the Congress. He's not even approved anywhere in this. So this 33 second video for our podcast listeners is very important. You'll hear some noises. These noises, Michael and I will tell you what's going on right as we come back from this 33 second John Kerry treating the U.S. customers. I mean, Stu. <laughs> Okay. That hurts. That hurts. uh, You know, Michael, what'd you think of that? I mean, wasn't it kind of like the consumers are getting it in the nuts? I think, I mean, yeah, I think as always, I mean, this, I mean, of all the things we've got to worry about China with AI, them nuking us, them cutting off Taiwan for, you know, chips, you know, the, the, you know, their, their eventual invasion of Russia, you know, all right. the things we have to worry about with China and we've got to worry about climate change. Like I and, hate to agree with Mitt Romney, but he's got a great quote on this in here. He says, you know, you know, what, what was it? Oh, I missed it here. Let me pull it up here. Um, what does Mitt quote, say? Climate change is probably not our highest priority in dealing with China, but if we can get them to reduce their emissions, that would be a good thing. Senator Mitt Romney told Politico before okay. Wednesday's announcement. Like that's how I feel. They're putting in two coal fire plants a weekend what are the uh, huh make coal great again make coal great again 